where old Mary and Joseph had old Frankenstein show up at the nativity. If they hadn't been through enough, that was good. We appreciate our, our staff kids doing that. It was a neat deal. We are uh, finishing up a, a really a, a short three-part Christmas series that we have entitled Wish List. And really the whole point of this Christmas series is for us to just realize that most of the time we think about a wish list, we think about what we want for Christmas. And that's kind of how we're wired. It's certainly uh, how I'm wired. And in this series, we've really wanted to turn it upside down and say, really, what is since it's Jesus' birthday, what, what does he want for Christmas? So what does the Lord want for, from us for Christmas? And so we've looked at three things. We're going to see the third one today. Uh, first of all, we, we, we saw that the Lord wants bold faith at the top of that wish list. It's bold faith. What is that? It's the kind of faith that trusts him with the details of our life. And then last week, we really saw what else is on that wish list, and it's passionate worship. And it's what he desires and deserves most of all, and it's really what we need in our life. Uh, as well to worship him. And then today, uh, we're going to talk about this idea of being a contagious storyteller. We're going to see it in the text that we're going to look at. That's really a part of what's on God's wish list, that we would be active in sharing this amazing story. You know, here's the thing about stories. Everybody loves uh, a good story. In fact, probably some of you will go and tell the story of the kids telling the story of the Frankenstein. I mean, that, that sort of sticks out. I'm doing a wedding last night, and so I'm there, and uh, I've done a lot of weddings, and so I I'm kind of comfortable with just kind of running through that. And I, but I could just tell something was going on. I could see the, the mom in, in front of me, and she was talking to one of her boys who was a, a best man. And they were, you know, kind of whispering back and forth. And there was kind of panic had set in. And I could tell there was some, a lot of discussion off to my left, some whispering off to my left with the guys. And I, it, it, it dawned on me. One of the last things that I always do is everybody gets lined up and we, we head in. I always ask the best man, hey, you got the rings? I didn't do that. And it dawned on me that probably the best man had forgotten the rings. And, and sure enough, I see a family member jump up, bolt out of the, uh, the sanctuary, the room we were in. And uh, he comes back in and he goes over to the, the side where uh, the guys are, the groomsmen are, and he gives it to the very end person. And the guy takes the rings. And, the, and these guys, and just it's like symmetry. They just start passing it down behind their back, all the way down. And I'm, I'm trying to do the wedding and watch this go on. And then, you know, I'm, you know, for better, for worse, richer, for poorer with rings without, and uh, finally the best man gets him. He looks at me like, thumbs up, we got him. And, and so it was just a funny deal to be a, be, a, be a part of, but here's the point. I get back in my car and, you know, to head home, and I, just had to, I called my sister because she loves a good story. Like, I mean, I knew she would enjoy that and appreciate that, and so I just told that story because everybody, everybody just loves a good story. If something happens in your life today or tomorrow that's outside the ordinary, what we just do as human beings is we just love to tell that story. That's just kind of what's a part of us, and so we're going to talk about what would it be like for us to grow in our life of being a contagious storyteller because it's really on God's wish list uh, for us, but we need to grow in that. So so let's pick up with the first contagious storytellers of this Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 8. And uh, this is going to be super familiar, whether you grew up in church or not. It's interesting. Some people said, you know, every one of these stories that you've preached about, I already knew them. Well, of course, sure. I mean, everybody knows these stories. That, that's not really the point. It, it's, it's really not do we know the facts of these stories, but how are these stories impacting our life? What changes are, are we making in our life because of this amazing story? So, so let's pick up in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, 
just for a second, I think it's so important for this story for us to just talk a little bit about the shepherds. And if you've grown up in church, this, this is probably not new to you. But this, this, this class of people, this profession of people, shepherds, they were a low class of in individuals. In fact, nobody wanted their kid to grow up to be a shepherd. It was probably prostitutes and then shepherds, uh, sort of as far as the way they were viewed in Israel during this time. And you say, well, how do you know this? A, a couple things. Uh, number one, these guys were not able to go to the temple to worship because of their uh, lifestyle, because of who they were. They were, they were outcasts, so they were not able to, to go. It wasn't that they missed church. They weren't invited to church. That's a bad deal. Number two, most Jews would not buy things from them. In other words, they wouldn't buy wool uh, from them. They wouldn't buy milk from them, and they wouldn't buy any uh, kids, baby goats, or uh, lambs, baby sheep, because they assumed that they were stolen. So th that's what most people thought about shepherds. They had, they'd kind of earned the reputation, number one, of just, of just being thieves. But it is in the midst of this story that God reveals himself and they become the first contagious storytellers. Look, look at verse nine. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. So what's happening here? God breaks into their story in a supernatural way and angels are there and their first response is fear, which, which makes sense. I mean, that would have frightened us for us to see this sort of supernatural experience in the heavens, but also it's fear because of who they were and, and maybe even things that they were doing right in that very moment because whenever we have an, an experience with the Lord, we're, our, our sin many times is exposed and so they felt exposed because of their failure as human beings. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you. Now, just, just underline that word, you. This is a personal message. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So, so of course, this message is for everyone, but it's a personal message to you guys, to the group of people. I mean, the first people that the angel shows up to after the birth of Jesus were a group of people who could not get access to God. Is that, is that a pretty interesting thing? They could not come to the temple to worship. And in essence, God saying, I know you can't get to me, and that's why I came to you. Boy, that paints a great picture of who we are as human beings. We're much more like the shepherds than we care to realize. Today in the town of David, angel says, a Savior has been born again to you. This is a personal message to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company, that's a military term, great company, of heavenly hosts appeared in the, uh, with the angel praising God and saying, verse 14 is going to be so important to what we're going to talk about today. Here's what the angel said, glory to God in the highest. In other words, this is what brings our God most glory. Can I tell you something just to remind you, you are here. The primary reason that you and I are here right now in this moment in time is so that we can bring God glory. You understand that? And what does it mean to bring God glory? It's really to live our life in such a way to turn the lights on so people can see the nature of our king. 
And so these angels say, glory to God in the highest. In other words, here's what brings God the most glory, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's talk about this passage for just a minute, because it's maybe a, a little bit more of a difficult passage to understand, but here's what the angels are saying. This is what brings God glory when peace comes to those who experience God's favor, experience God's grace in their life. It says, this is what brings God the most glory when the story of redemption happens, when somebody is bought back and brought into relationship with a living God. Now, think about this. There are a lot of things that bring God glory in our lives, but what brings God the most glory is when we tell this redemption story. And what the angels are saying is so important. I shared this a couple weeks ago, and people gave me some really strange looks. We understand the message of Christmas. Jesus didn't come to bring peace on earth. Now, that never goes over well when I say that. Jesus came to bring peace between heaven and earth. And that's really what the angels are saying. On those whom his favor rests, in other words, those who receive his grace now have peace between heaven and earth. And so this is exciting as the angels are celebrating this. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, I want to stop for just a second in verse 15, and I want to try to create some tension here. And I want you to try to feel this if you could. Is that okay? Those of you that are watching online or those of you here at at Battlefield, this story is taking place 2,000 years ago, about five miles south of Jerusalem, which Jerusalem would have been the epicenter of the religious world in that time. If you were going as a Jew, if you wanted to have a chance to be right with God, what you did is you would go to the temple and you would offer sacrifices or the priest would offer sacrifices for you. And those sacrifices would be a means to provide some sort of atonement for your sin. Ultimately, they were foreshadowing the atonement that would come in Christ. But you had to make it to Jerusalem there to have forgiveness or any chance or any hope of forgiveness for your sin. Here's a group of people that couldn't go up to Jerusalem. They were shut out. They weren't welcome there. But when the angel shares this good news that Messiah has come for them, they quickly make their way to Bethlehem, right? That's what a person does when all of their life they've had no hope and then hope breaks into their life, right? They're eager, eager to take advantage of it. And that fascinates me. It's, it's, it's interesting that when we go back and we look at Matthew's account, when the wise men come to Jerusalem and they ask this question of the religious world, of the high priest, the other priest, where was the Messiah supposed to be born? They answer that question. The religious people answer that question in Jerusalem very quickly. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they know what the Scripture says or the Old Testament prophecies taught, yet they didn't make their way five miles down to Bethlehem to see this. Yet this group of people who had been shut out all of their life, who had been who had been rejected, who have been discarded, just common thieves, they quickly make their way there because that's what hope does. So they hurried off. Look at verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, right? Um, in just a few moments, we're going, to, we're going to talk about one of the things that we have to have as a contagious storyteller it, And that's really being captivated again with the awe of this story, you see, because what's happened so many times is we've become so familiar with this story that we kind of lose the awe and we lose the the majesty and we lose the wonder. You see, here are these shepherds and they show up and they see this baby lying in a manger. I mean, the first night that God spends on planet earth, he spends it in a feeding trough. Is that a pretty amazing thing to you? (laughs) <laughs> that blows me away. I'll never get over that. But, and, and, and it begs the question, doesn't it really beg the question, why? I mean, surely, God, you've got better connections than that. 
But, you know, if we see this story in context with these shepherds, I mean, the shepherds, there's a lot of places in town they aren't going to be welcome. In fact, the only place that they probably would be welcome would be what? The barn, that's exactly where he was. And so we see the grace and we see the mercy and the compassion of our king to the least of these, right? So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Verse 17, when they had seen him, here we go. Here's what we're going to talk about today for a few minutes. Some of you said it seems like you've already been talking for a few minutes. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning him. In other words, when they saw, had a face-to-face encounter with the Messiah as he's lying there in a manger, they immediately went and they did what? They spread. They were contagious storytellers. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And watch this. This, I love this. And all who heard it were amazed. Like, in other words, the people who heard these shepherds talk about what had happened in their life, that brought an an, an, an intense amount of amazement to them because they're seeing life change. They were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I mean, Mary, she's thinking, you know what? The first baby shower, this isn't the way I thought it would go down, but I'm seeing now what God is doing in orchestrating these events. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and they had seen. I I, want to say this, and and my sense is it's probably offensive to some, doesn't relate to everybody, but I think we live in a day where a lot of people are just, just flat out bored. Like there's a longing for more. We've watched everything Netflix has. Like what, we're, we're sort of bored in, in, in life. And here you have a group of guys that, that their life is pretty limited. I mean, they're watching somebody else's sheep, somebody else's goats day in and day out. Pretty limited. And then they have an interaction with the Messiah and they leave and it's like a musical breaks out, like the most obscure musical in history. Here are these common everyday thieves and they're worshiping God and praising him. You see, here it is. It's really the cure for the common life. When we really start being a contagious storyteller, it's really the cure for the common life. Maybe we've never realized that. I want to share just a few things in about 15 minutes. You guys got 15 minutes. If you're watching online, 15 minutes. A couple things that I think could help us grow as contagious storytellers, because I, I really believe, I really believe that's what needs to happen in my life. And if you're a follower of Christ, I think it's what needs to happen in, in, in your life as well, because this is on God's wish list for you. It's what brings him so much glory, glory in the highest, is that we would be a contagious storyteller. But what does that really, what does that really look like, and how could I grow uh, in that? Well, a couple things. Let, let's look at the first thing today. Contagious storytellers realize Christmas is history's most amazing story. You see, what, what has happened for, for so many of us is we've just become so familiar with this story that it's, it's, we've just lost all wonder and lost all awe in this story, right? But this story of Christmas is still history's most amazing story. What does it mean? It means that the, the, the God of the universe stepped into his own creation who had rejected him, who had rebelled against him, and he steps into creation through the person of this infant child, Emmanuel, God with this baby Jesus humbles himself in an unbelievable way, is born, delivered in a barn. Why is he born and delivered in a barn? Sometimes we say, that about, say this about our lives a lot. We'll say, man, my life is a mess. You ever said that about your life? Said that about somebody beside you's life? Man, your life is a mess. Well, you know what the story of Christmas is? It is God stepping into our mess 
to redeem us. Isn't that true? So Christmas, Christmas is history's most amazing story. And wonder if, not because of this message, I, I realize I can't do that, but wonder if you would just, would just say this to the Lord. Lord, would you restore the awe and the wonder in this story? Could I see it again like it was the first time I've ever heard this before? Because that's what happens with a contagious storyteller. They have to see it as history's most amazing story. And it's really a rescue story, isn't it? When you think about Christmas, what is Christmas? Christmas is a rescue story. And don't you love rescue stories? I mean, everybody loves rescue stories. I I was thinking about this. Um, My son and I were in Haiti a couple years ago, and it was right before Christmas. We were trying to get back, and it was just a few days before Christmas. We had been over there doing some stuff with children there for Christmas. And, and we had just a, probably of all the mission trips I've ever been on in my life, we had probably the most dangerous encounter uh, uh, there. And we had some folks come out and they had guns and they took our passports and it got just weird for a while. And uh, I was like thinking, well, who's going who's gonna to come for us? Like if, if you're somebody, like, I mean, they'll send the Navy SEALs after you, right? But you got to be somebody for the Navy SEALs to come out. Think about that. If the Navy SEALs come to rescue you, you're somebody, right? I knew no Navy SEALs were coming for me. I can promise you that, right? But you think about this. The God of the universe came for you. That's a rescue story, isn't it? I mean, that a powerful truth? Like the God of the universe came to rescue you. What a powerful story. And it's a love story, ladies. Don't you love that? Every, I mean, you've been watching Hallmark movies, right, for the last three weeks. I mean, everybody loves a love story. Christmas is a love story. It's about God's love for you and redeeming you. And so I wonder if we would just say this this year at Christmas. God, would you restore the awe and the wonder in my life for this amazing, amazing story? Just remind me again that you came to those who could never get to you, who were shut out. And that was me. This isn't about the shepherds. This is about me. Number two, contagious storytellers do this. They pursue what brings the most glory to God. That's what contagious storytellers do. In their life, they begin to line their life up around or orchestrate their life up around what brings God the most glory. Now, I have to be honest with you. My wife, is uh, she's here right now. Uh, in our marriage, I've, I've, I haven't been the best gift giver. It hasn't been that my heart hasn't been right. We, we've thought back over some, some previous years for birthdays and Christmases. Man, I just have not knocked it out of the park. Like, and you can always tell when you give that gift, when, you know, when somebody opens it up, and, and they're trying to be nice. Don't you know that? I mean, you'll see that over the course of the next, next week. Like, you can instantly tell when somebody opens it up, and they're like, oh, thank you. And then within, it's not immediately, it's not immediately, but it's always in the first five minutes, like they ask, did, did, you, did, you get a, did you get a receipt? Did you keep the receipt on that? Now, obviously, when somebody says, hey, did you, did, you keep, did you keep the gift receipt on that? What are they really saying? Yeah. Not a fan of that, right? Not a fan of that. And so that, that, that's really the, the, the thing. But as we're thinking about this, here's what I want to say to you. Being a contagious storyteller, it's on God's wish list. It's what he wants from you for Christmas. And, and some of you would say, well, you know what? I, it's, my problem with this is it's just weird. Like I know people that are always telling the Jesus story. They're always sharing their faith, and they're, and they're weird. They make people feel uncomfortable, and that's just not me. Well, listen, it's only weird if you make it weird. You see that? Being a contagious storyteller, it's only weird if you, if you, you, you make it weird. I was, uh, I was in the doctor's office just a, 
uh, just a, a few weeks ago, and the physician that came in uh, to see me, um, he said this. He said, do you mind, first of all, if I pray for you? Now, I'm a professional prayer. It's what I do for a living, right? I pray for people every day. You call me, I'll pray for you. I pray for people. Every family event that I have, I'm called on to pray. That's, that's what I do. But it was such an amazing experience for somebody. That I didn't expect it to say, hey, let me pray for you. And he asked me, what's one thing I could be praying for you about? I was blown away by that. And then I asked, how long have you been doing that? He said, well, we've just started doing that here in our practice. And I know other physicians are doing that. He said, you know, we just asked patients if, 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 we could, if they would mind if we could pray for them. And I said, does anybody ever tell you no? He said, no. In fact, people appreciate it, right? And here's my point. That wasn't weird. That was just super cool. I really appreciated that, right? And it's just somebody saying, I want to grow as a contagious storyteller. I want to open up some channels to being a contagious storyteller. And you're like, well, that, that's not, I mean, like the evangelist in the room, the people with the gift of evangelism are like, well, that's not, that's not really evangelism. Like, you didn't even break the Roman road out or whatever, right? You know, four spiritual laws, though, you know that. You didn't, didn't do that. Here's the thing. When you ask somebody a specific way that you can pray for them, and then you circle back in two weeks and ask, hey, tell me about that. Has God done anything? Do you believe God's alive and at work? Let me ask you that. I believe God's alive and at work. If I'm praying about something specifically, somebody asks me something, you know, hey, I want you to pray for my kid, and you do that, and then you show up two weeks later, and that guy says, it's amazing. I'm glad you asked because we've really seen something different in my kid's life. They're going to be a whole lot more open to hear your story then, right? You see that? So it doesn't, my, my point in this is it doesn't have to be weird. You can kind of find, find your rhythm. There's things people do on social media, whatever. Just one of the greatest things we can do just in kind of inviting somebody to a, to a worship gathering, like the best opportunity you're going to have in a long time, it's going to be just in the next couple of days, our Thursday night Christmas Eve service, man. Everybody goes to church on Christmas Eve. Great opportunity to invite somebody. And who knows, they might hear the gospel. It may change their eternity. So let's just be willing to grow as a contagious storyteller. It's what God desires for Christmas. We... Uh, we were talking about this. My oldest son was here in the last service, and he was laughing about it as well. One year, it was really a, a tough Christmas. Uh, it, we, uh, if you're a dad, your kids go through phases. You understand that? We got Dad You coming up. So if you're a new dad, I hope you come to Dad You. We're going to talk about some of those phases. Kids go through phases. Some of the phases you like, some of the phases you're like, uh, that's a tough phase. Ready for that phase to be over. Well, my oldest son went through, uh, he, was, he was a young guy. He went through a skateboarding phase. No offense if you grew up as a skateboarder. That's cool. Uh, he was, went through a skateboarding phase. I was not a big fan of the whole skateboarding phase. He grew his hair out, his bangs out. He's always flipping them back. I just personally don't trust a man with bangs, just to be honest with you. I'm not into it at all. He was heavy into that. And so we got him like a, a cheap skateboard, but he wanted like a you know, really nice skateboard for Christmas. All he wanted for Christmas, I want a skateboard. So we're not getting you a skateboard. We're not getting you a skateboard. And so Amy and I agree, we're not getting him a skateboard. So he was mad at us. And so what did he do? He did what every American kid would do that had the opportunity. He just talk, called his grandparents. So I want a skateboard. And so my dad's like, man, he, Will wants a skateboard for Christmas, and your mom and I want to get him that. Because we're grandparents, we want to get him that. I said, don't get him that. He said, what do you mean? We've already I said, don't get him that. I don't want him to have that. He said, you can't tell me what I can't give my grandson for Christmas. I said, yeah, I can. I am. So he says, all right. We're not. So he doesn't get him the skateboard, long story short. doesn't get him the skateboard. And, and so it's, it's Christmas Eve. We're at my parents. It's always a big deal. My mom looks so forward to it all year. She's all there. And, you know, she's a great gift giver. She's like way better than me, great gift giver. So she's got this big box. And he thinks it's a decoy box because he knows his grandma was going to get him what he asked, right? It's a big box, but I don't know. It's not it. So he, he rips it open. It's a set of golf clubs. And I, I, I remember like it was yesterday. He just throws the golf clubs down. He's like fifth grade and just storms out of the room and he's mad. 
Like, he's mad at us, which I don't care about that. Like, I mean, I mean I'm over that. I mean, I do care, but I'm, some of you are looking at me like I'm a terrible dad. I, I can deal with that. What I can't deal with is now my mom and dad are mad. They're furious at me. You've ruined Christmas. Like, we weren't able to look at him. He's, he's, ter- he's mad at us. He's going to be mad at us as grandparents. You have, ruined, you have ruined our Christmas. I said, well, welcome to the jungle, right? I mean... That, that, that's what he wanted, but it's not what we get. Maybe a lousy illustration, but sometimes if we're not careful, that's kind of how we are with the Lord. Like, I know you want me to share your story, but I'm not really into that. It's kind of not what I do. It's not my style. It's uncomfortable, and on and on it goes. What I'm trying to say to you today is this is what brings God the most glory when in some way, shape, fashion, or form, we're willing to grow as a contagious storyteller, right? It's what God desires for Christmas. And so here's a question. Are you being intentional in your life about what brings God the most glory? I think it's an important thing. And, and, and are you willing to grow? Because the story of Christmas, watch this, in many ways is a story of movement. It's a story about from where I am right now to where God wants me to be and be willing to move. I mean, Mary and Joseph go from Nazareth, 90 miles south to Bethlehem at, at a very inconvenient time, right? She's nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey, 90 miles, not a good deal. It's a story of movement from where they were, are to where God wanted them to be. I mean, the shepherds tell us a story of movement. When the angel showed up to them, they left and went to Bethlehem. The wise man, a thousand miles over a year of their life, they travel to see the Messiah. So what is the point for us? That's what God's doing in our life. It's a story of movement to greater levels of obedience, to grow even in the uncomfortable areas. That's what he's doing. It's a powerful thing. And when we're involved in courageous storytelling, or excuse me, contagious storytelling, we get to see God move in powerful ways because one of the things that I hear people say probably more than anything else is, you know, Pastor Brady, why don't we see miracles today in our life like we saw in the Bible? Is God still at work? Yes, he's still at work. One of the reasons why we're not seeing movements of God like we really could see movements of God in our day is we're really not being obedient to what God's called us to do. But here's the thing. When we just take a step of obedience, especially in this area, listen, if you want to see God work in your life, I promise you this. If you want to see God work in your life, take this, take this challenge of being a contagious storyteller seriously and watch how God will multiply that in just powerful ways and you'll see his movement. But let's take a look at a video that, that has occurred really in our, our college ministry. Some of our college students have been willing to be contagious storytellers, and God has taken something that really was, was dying, a, a small church in, in Laverne that just kind of void of hope and real discouraged, and watch what God has done when you infuse it with a few contagious storytellers. Let's take a look at this video. So, guys, when we're in our Christmas series wish list, And what we're seeing this week as part of the Christmas story is that there were some contagious storytellers. You guys both have been involved with something really cool this semester, but first, before we get into it, why don't you share just your name and what y'all are studying at MTSU right now. I'm Sarah, and I'm studying marketing. I'm Caleb, I'm studying English. So, Pastor Danny and our student team approached you guys, some of our other college students, to be a part of an opportunity that we've had with the church in Laverne to really partner alongside of them and to help with their student ministry this, this semester. And so y'all both are a part of it, but Caleb, kind of give us an overview of what y'all have been doing and just what you've seen God do this semester. Yeah, so Sarah and I, and then about five other college students have been out in Laverne uh, really since about September, 
been planning this youth group and getting it going. And um, our goal is just to simply reach out to young people um, through sixth and 12th grade. And through that, uh, students started coming and it brought a lot of excitement to the older people in the church. And there's actually a specific incident where a man by the name of Don reached out to a boy named Charlie and a girl named Lucy. And Lucy actually gave her life to, to the Lord a couple weeks ago. So cool. So what started really to just kind of, kind of you know, be a spark for the student ministers really served to encourage the whole, the whole church. And this guy named Don and other adults in the church who just, you know, I think what y'all said been inviting family, friends, and just people that they know that have students in the community to come and be a part of what y'all been doing. And so, Sarah, I wanna hear more about Lucy's story. So he mentioned that this girl named Lucy came to know Christ this semester. So you know a little bit more about her story. So give us some details about, about Lucy and what God's done in her life. So Lucy's been coming with her brother Charlie um, at kickoff from the beginning of the semester. And one night Caleb was speaking and we saw that Lucy didn't have her own Bible. So we talked about it after in small group with her. And the next week, Lisa, she's a leader at the church in Laverne. Um, she gave Lucy her own Bible because her family, actually they just have a family Bible. And so um, we've been working with her and teaching her where everything is in the Bible and she's been praying for her family. And a couple weeks ago we had a bonfire and so me and Lucy just went on a walk and we were just talking and she shared that she gave her life to Christ and that she's so been praying great. for her family and she's actually been inviting her mom to the youth nights with her. So we're praying that her mom would come with her. I love that, so cool. And I think you just kind of see a couple of streams of the story. So I mean, you guys first and the rest of the college students, like y'all's team just being faithful to be contagious storytellers this semester. You know, one to, like you guys said, to, to serve and kind of maybe be a spark for the students there in the church, but also it's been an encouragement to everybody, the adults and everybody else in the church as well. And, but this girl, Lucy, her story has been changed for all of eternity. And now she's inviting her mom, right? So I mean, you guys have been faithful to be contagious storytellers. And now Lucy is sharing with her family and she's being a courageous storyteller as well. So I think it's just a really cool story of God's faithfulness and I'm really proud of you guys. That's one of the points that I want us to see that when we just have the courage to obey and become a contagious storyteller, it's really God that begins to spread that in an amazing way. And, and in fact, that, that's really just what the shepherds did is they spread the news that they had heard. And in some way, in some way, I know people may send me an email and criticize me for this statement. Thank you. In some ways, that spread, we're a result of that spread today, right? The first storytellers, common thieves. And God has taken that and moved and worked in just such powerful ways. You see, you never know what God could do in your life until we just take him seriously and say, Lord, I want to grow as a contagious storyteller. Now, let's look at the third thing because we're running out of time pretty quickly and I want to get to this just for a second. Contagious storytellers at some point are through with excuses because when it comes to storytelling, we have a lot of excuses. We know this is, you know, many of us would agree today, yeah, I know this is on God's wish list for me, but, but here's the reasons why that God couldn't use me in that way. Excuse number one is, is really I'm not good enough for God to use me. I've got a past. I've made mistakes in my life and I think my mistakes and my failures have, have really uh, cast me out from being able to be used of God. Now, that's where this story has so much traction, right? I've asked this question all weekend. It hasn't gone over very well. Anybody here make a living just from stealing from other people? I mean, it'd be pretty awkward if you stood up right now and raised your hand, right? That'd be an awkward thing. But most of us would say, no, I mean, I'm overcharged a time or two, but no, I don't, I don't think. I mean, that's how these fellows made their living. They were common thieves. And these common thieves were the first contagious storyteller. God used them. So what does that say about you? Do you see it? 
What does that say about you? If he used them, if that, that was the, the, the first people that God chose to use, well, listen, that has a lot of traction for me, that God could use me with my past. Here's the second, here's the second thing. And it really reminds me that God uses, let me, let me summarize that point. God uses the unlikely to do the unimaginable, right? And we can be that unlikely one that God can use just to do the unimaginable through. Excuse number two, and this is probably the most popular one, is I don't know enough uh, about the Bible to really be serious as a, as a storyteller. Like, I don't have enough knowledge yet for God to use me as a contagious storyteller. Now, by the way, let me just say this. The first contagious storytellers as shepherds, th- th- they weren't scholars, right? These are shepherds, not, not scholars. I mean, it wasn't that they weren't paying attention in church. They didn't even get to go to church, right? You see that? So, I mean, it, it isn't their wisdom that God is looking for and using, right? That, that could just be an excuse um, I think it was Tuesday morning. I was, I was working from home. I had a meeting with our entire staff at 8.30, so I was making some notes, trying to get ready uh, for that meeting. And it was about 8.25. I walked down just to get a cup of coffee before I went back up and get, got on my computer. And, and I hear Amy say this. She said, well, here he comes down the steps now. Let me ask him. I was like, well, that could go one of two ways. And, uh, and I said, well, what, what is it? Because I was kind of in a hurry. You know, it's, 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 it's never convenient, right, when somebody has a question for you because we're always in a rush. What is it? And she begins to tell me it's one of our college students, and he's in the middle of a final exam, and he's taken Old Testament survey, and he's on a timed final exam, and he calls his pastor's wife, which was better than calling me. And, um, and then she said, well, let me ask Brady. And so now he's on the phone with me. And so she asked me this first question on his Old Testament exam. I didn't know the answer. I'm like, I, he gave me like, it was four multiple choices. I, I don't know. I'd say Jesus, but I'm not sure. I don't know the answer to that. And so I start Googling it because I didn't know. I would start Googling. She said, you can't look it up on the internet. I said, did, they, did, did his teacher say that his pastor couldn't look it up or that he couldn't look it up? Because I'm not sure. And so he asked me two questions. I didn't know either one of them. I know the answer to either one. I mean, and he's thinking, boy, I'm glad I go to church there. Super, super helpful. But there's just a, there's just a lot of things. I've gotten really comfortable with that when people ask a question just saying, I don't know. Well, that, that's, a, that's a great question. That's a great question. But I, I'd be willing to pray with you about that. And I'd be willing to kind of study the scripture in, in greater detail and kind of help you with that. But it, it's, don't let that paralyze you. That's my point. You see, don't let that, don't let that paralyze you. In fact, most of the time, that's, that's not really what happens anyways. But, but, but here's the point I'm, I want to make. I want to I drill into this and then we'll move on. Did that resonate with anybody? Do you say, you know, one of the reasons I'm not a contagious storyteller is I feel like I don't know enough. Does that resonate with anybody? I haven't asked that question all weekend. Does that resonate? I think it probably resonates with most of us, right? Let me say this. It's not your wisdom that saves another person. It's God's power that's just shown through your obedience. Do you see? That's not your wisdom, right? It doesn't mean that we ought not to study the Scripture to know more and, and that God could use us if the more we understand. I, I, I get that. But it is not your wisdom that God uses to save others. I mean, the first evangelists were shepherds, right? They didn't, they didn't know hardly anything except their story, what God had done in their life. And that is this powerful, powerful tool. So do you know how to share your story? Do you remember? Can I ask you this? We're running out of time. Do you remember? your encounter? Do you remember when God showed up in your life in an undeniable way? Do you, do you remember maybe just being maybe overwhelmed with anxiety or fear? Or you, 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 do you remember feeling exposed because of your sin? And then God met you there and began to transform your life? That, that's your story, and that's what people want to hear. Do you know your story? It's not about wisdom. It's really about the power of God unleashed when we're just courageous enough to share our story, right? 
You know, for me, I was afraid and I found peace. For others, maybe it was I was addicted and Jesus brought me freedom. For, for others, maybe I was confused and, and I just began to understand truth like never before. That, that's your story. I was alone and I found a true relationship in my life. That's your story. That's what it is that God wants you to, to share. It's not about wisdom. Let me recap, and then we're going to close up. Contagious storytellers realize Christmas is history's most amazing story. Do you believe that? It's history's most amazing story. Contagious storytellers pursue in their life what brings God the most glory. Listen, God's glorified when we give. God's glorified when we serve. God's glorified when we do a lot of things that would impact his kingdom. God's most glorified when we tell his story. Contagious storytellers are through with the excuses. I mean, the shepherds really obliterate a lot of our excuses, don't they? Right? I'm not good enough or I don't know enough. We remember those guys. And then finally, contagious storytellers realize what's at stake. I mean, I, I, did, uh, I did my first COVID funeral this week. It seems kind of, COVID kind of seems distant until you're at the graveside. And then it gets pretty real, right? It's kind of something that's happening on the news until it's right there. I mean, people in our church that, 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 that are sick, and there's just a lot of fear uh, based on that. I mean, I, I think we, we're beginning to understand what's, what's at stake. I mean, it's, it could be a pretty serious deal. It is a pretty serious deal, right? And so here's where I am. Like, man, if they, if they would show up in the, you know, in the, in the atrium today, Pfizer or Moderna, whoever, the two pharmaceutical companies that have the vaccine out, I'm saying pop me right now, dude, I'm in. I understand what's it. Some of you are like, I'm not getting the vaccine. Well, that's for you. I'll take it right now today. Because I kind of understand for, for me what, what's at stake. But I tell you, there's so much more at stake when we understand eternity and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And contagious storytellers get what's at stake. They realize the situation that we're in today is urgent. Like, let me push into that. And you would say, well, in the past we said the situation is urgent and guys like me would say stuff like this. You know what? You, get, you, you leave this place today, you can get out, you can have a wreck on the way home and you don't know if you're going to make it home today. That, that could be true. It's probably not going to happen. I, I, I tend to think that's more fear tactics than anything else. But you know what's urgent? I don't want to spend another second without God's Holy Spirit guiding and leading and loving and changing. I don't want to spend another second without that. That's what's at stake. Does that make sense? I, I, think, we, I, I think we need to share that side of the story. And contagious storytellers understand what's at stake. The, the situation is urgent. And watch this. The verdict is final. Like, we live in a do-over culture. I don't know if you, you grew up like I did and you played ball in the backyard with your buddies and if things didn't go well, you just called a do-over. A do-over. We live in a do-over culture. Like, I'll fix that tomorrow. You live this life rejecting Christ, never surrendering to Him as Savior and Lord, and you breathe your last, there is no do-over <laughs> because the verdict is final. And contagious storytellers understand that. You know, here's what I believe you may disagree. Most people can understand on their own that there is a God. People just don't know how to get to him on their own. And that's why we share the Jesus story. 
Because he answers that in John chapter 14, verse 6, the most exclusive claim in the entire world, I believe. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. See, people know there's a God. They just don't know how to get to him. That's why he's called us to tell this story. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 10. I'm almost done. Hang in. On down in verse 14, he's laid out how we can step into a relationship with Christ. And then he says this, how can they, meaning an unbeliever, call on the one they have not believed in, means trusted in, and how can they believe or trust in the one whom they have not heard? Again, what's the point? People know there's a God. They just don't know how to get to him on their own. That's why God's called you to be a storyteller. And can I be frank with you? There is no plan B. There is no plan B. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That word preach means a bearer of the good news. It's, it's not just something that somebody like me does. It's something like everybody does. We declare the good news of Jesus Christ. And how can anyone preach or declare good news unless they are, I love this word, sent? That's really the purpose, part of the purpose for today. We need to be sent. And that word sent means really kicked out of a place of comfort to a place of our known calling. That's your calling, to be a contagious storyteller. And it's, it's at the top of his wish list for Christmas. And then watch this. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That's from God's perspective. How beautiful are the feet of those who are willing to go and be a contagious storyteller. Let me, let me close. I really believe this at some point at some point in your journey, you can't help but share your story. Like if God has met you, if he has saved you, if he has redeemed you and released you, at some point you can't help but share your story. Why? Because it is a personal story. That, that's, what, that's what the angels said. They said, I bring you good news. It's really, they're placing a tag on the manger, and it's really a tag that says this, from God to you. Do you remember as a kid, please listen, do you remember as a kid, you know, the presents are stacking up as you get closer to Christmas, they're under the tree, and they've all got a tag on them. And do you ever remember as a kid kind of crawling around under the tree looking for the tag? Because, you, you, you know, you had the aunt, and, and, and when it was from her, I mean, not my aunt, I'm just saying you had an aunt who gave lazy, lousy gifts. But you had an uncle who was, you know, he was single, he had no kids, he, he had a lot of money. He gave like incredible gifts. You remember that uncle? And so you were looking for that gift from him to you, right? Because that's the one you're opening, right? Because you understand the giver. That's the story of Christmas from God to you. And embedded in this gift is what you have been looking for all your life life. It's what you need at the deepest part of who you are. To know that you are unconditionally loved. Do you hear that? And to know that you can be completely forgiven. Wow. And to know that he will come 
to take up residence in your life, to guide you, encourage you, convict you. Listen, that's what's there in that gift. Can you imagine how arrogant it would be at Christmas for somebody to hand you a gift and for you to never unwrap it? Can you imagine how arrogant that would be? I mean, wouldn't that offend you? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm closing up, but please play along. Wouldn't it offend you? I mean, you, you've spent some money. You've sacrificed some time. You've invested. You've got a gift. You hand it to them, and they just discard it. But isn't that a picture of maybe our lives? Maybe it's a picture of your life, God's gift from God to you. And all your life, you've discarded it. But yet it's the darkness of 2020 and perhaps the most difficult Christmas ever in your life when all the other stuff that you've leaned on is not working and you need real answers and you need real hope that may drive you to open that gift. Can we pray? Father, Just as you showed up and revealed yourself to those shepherds 2,000 years ago, I pray and believe you're doing that today. Maybe folks watching online, maybe folks here. But it's been a gift discarded for years. But today, through the difficulty of the circumstance and situation, you have broken through the darkness with a light of hope. And I pray right now that they're men and women, students watching, listening, that maybe now by faith will open this gift, will trust Christ and Christ alone and receive what you came to bring, their rescue, their redemption. It's a love story with their name written on it. It's a rescue story with their name written on it, purchased by you, received by faith. Father, we pray that's occurring even in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.